Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Portsign with you on a Friday afternoon. Blue Jackets have four games left in the season. Eight to one loss last night in New Jersey. Ouch. Uh, The second seven goal loss in five days. Maybe it's six days. Um... Yeah, some of these numbers are piling up now. They are one loss away from matching the all-time regulation loss, I should say, from matching the franchise record uh, regulation losses with 47, which was set 21 years ago when the Blue Jackets were just two years old. Um, They've allowed 314 goals. That is a franchise record. And for a while, it seemed like Anaheim had the runaway worst defensive team in the league. And now all of a sudden with four games left, Columbus has, has allowed 314, the Ducks 317. So that is a uh, distinction they would rather avoid. Blue Jackets have also addressed 43 players this year, 43 players. That matches a franchise record. It's really interesting to look at it this way. They've dressed 24 forwards, which is exactly twice as many as you need. They've drafted there. They've, they've dressed 13 defensemen which is twice as many as you need, plus one. And they've played six different goaltenders, also a record. Six different goaltenders. Jet Greaves becoming the sixth, and maybe maybe the best other than Corpus Allo this season in terms of his performance. Um, Blue Jackets back at it again on Saturday, the New York Rangers in Nationwide. Three of their final four in Nationwide. Uh, the Blue Jackets lost Johnny Gaudreau last night early in that game to an illness. I have no idea what his availability will be like for Saturday. Uh, he is, um, uh, the team is not practicing today, so no availability there. The Blue Jackets did make some moves today. Four players sent to Cleveland, and this is interesting. Um, they sent Marcus Bjork and Billy Sweezy, defensemen along with Josh Dunn and Unaloto forwards to Cleveland. Cleveland has a huge game tonight. They play at Laval. Laval is one point ahead of them, currently in fifth place in the North Division of the AHL. The win today puts Cleveland into that playoff spot. They have six games left. and They're in a playoff race. Uh, While in, in Columbus, you're looking at the bottom of the standings to see where Columbus is going to end up. In the AHL, you're looking at the mid point of the North Division to see if that AAA affiliate is going to make the playoffs there. It's something they would really like to have happen. Now, the tricky thing is the Blue Jackets have a game Saturday. So does Cleveland. Now, do they re- I've been told, I poked around on this one, are there injured players coming back into the Blue Jackets lineup? Is that why the 
the four players were sent out? No, these were sent to be to Cleveland for reinforcements. Now, can you recall those four players and have them play Saturday for the Blue Jackets? Somebody's coming back. The Blue Jackets need some some bodies. Um, they didn't make any healthy scratches last night. So they're going to need to recall at least four guys, and maybe five guys if Gaudreau's not well enough to play. So do they spread that out with recalls with other recalls? Do they bring those guys back to play their third nights in a row? That does happen in the American Hockey League. It happens in college. Uh, typically, you don't see it happening with NHL players, especially with, with travel after the first and the second game. So that would be – that's an interesting sort of dilemma. Does Trey Fix-Wolanski come back for a game? Right now, I do believe the organization is is more invested in Cleveland winning. Certainly they are than in Columbus winning um, because they really want that team to, to get a taste of the playoffs. So we can talk about this. We can talk about any of these things. It's such a strange season. I went through the the unfortunate numbers to begin with, the regulation losses, the, the – didn't even talk man game injuries. That's a franchise record, 521. Um, but there's been some bright spots in here too, of course. Kent Johnson, only the third Blue Jackets rookie with 40 points. Kirill Marchenko the, now owns the rookie record. With 21 goals, Liam Foodie, who spent much of the season as a healthy scratch, and we wondered why the team didn't put him on waivers and send him to the minors. Um, well, good, good on them. They were right, and the uh, the payoff's been been pretty sweet here. I think Foodie's been a pretty good player. Looks like he may well have an NHL future with the Blue Jackets, um, and we'll get to writing this certainly by the end of the season. It's going to be an interesting group of forwards coming back next year if everybody does. It almost looks like they're they're they absolutely have to make some moves because they've got too many bodies. Um, but that's something we can talk on um, in the future or whatever if you want to. Um, we can take your questions on the stage. We can take you by text. Um, all of it is good. We can get into anything you want to get into. Um, so yeah, let's go. We'll go to about 145 today. Uh, we do have Brandon D with us, though. Brandon, oh, can you hear me? Yep, we got you. Okay, uh, my my question is goalie related. So, Corby has kind of continued his success and and even maybe elevated his game to another level since going to LA. Um, mm-hmm. Do we think? I guess what's your kind of feel on is that related to better goalie coaching, or is it related to having a better defense in front? Is it a little bit of both? Um, and I guess kind of my follow-up question is, do we think that that reflects kind of on the current goalie coaching situation in Columbus? And should we expect some changes on that front going into next year? Yeah, so I would say this. As, as short a time as Corpus Allo has been in Los Angeles, I certainly don't want to speak ill or, or downplay the goalie coach in Los Angeles. But I think Corpy's just having a really good year. I think he's a a really good goalie, and I think he's back to health now. And he is playing behind a really good defensive team. And I think sometimes uh, we kind of miss the boat and think of a good defensive team by just what their defensemen look like. And it, in L.A., it's so much more than that. And with the best teams, it's so much more than that. That team just defends well. And this team here just doesn't. But having said that, Corpus Allo, just look at Corpus Allo's numbers here compared to every other goaltender playing with the same 
cast of characters, and his numbers were dramatically better than the others. That tells you, A, I, I still think, obviously, this team is not a good defensive team, period. But it tells you Corpusala was having a really good year. And I think the Kings were smart enough to see that. I'm surprised, frankly, that other teams like Toronto, which has some questions in goal, didn't see that. I felt like Edmonton may look at that, although they've started to play really well defensively too. Um, I just think I don't want to take anything away from any of the goalie coaches, but I think it's Corpusalo playing very well. And he's probably seeing, I haven't looked at the analytics on this, but he's probably seeing different shots and less prime scoring chances in LA than he did in Columbus. As, as we've said so many times, it all works together. As for the, the blue jacket situation, you know, I, I think going into the season, you looked at goaltending and the way that it mapped out as among the sort of the least compelling questions that this franchise had. You're worried about their centers. You're worried about their defense for sure. But I, I felt like goaltending with Corpusalo, with Merzlikens, and with Tarasov waiting in the wings, most people felt pretty good about that situation. And now I think it's one of the bigger question marks in the organization. I think there's, they're really at a crossroads here with Elvis, and I'm not sure what else you can do. He's got four years left on a massive contract. So they've got to write it out, but, but there, something's got to change there. And it very well could be the goaltending coach. I, I certainly have not heard any whispers of that. This team keeps that stuff kind of buttoned down. But if you're looking to change the dynamic and goal and you can't get rid of the player, Certainly, there's a there's an understanding that this team needs to get better defensively in all ways, but I think that's another way that you can change the dynamic. So we'll see. I I I would almost I would almost be more concerned about Manny Legacy's future with this team than Brad Larson's. Uh, but that's that's me. I, I just think that position so radically needs a a change. That position needs to be. A, that's sort of the CEO slash quarterback of a hockey team, much like like a quarterback is in the NFL, especially on a young team. You need a foundational, bedrock, reliable player there. And that's reliable not just in their performance, but in their ability to be available, to play, to stay healthy. And Elvis just hasn't been either of those things in a, in a way that's been quite shocking. Actually, so I, again, I don't think there's really much they can do other than hope that he figures it out, but they really need that to change and to change quickly. And it could be a goalie change that becomes part of the, or goalie coach change that becomes part of that equation. That would not surprise me at all. Brandon, thanks so much for that question. I do appreciate it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, let's try Nick S. I think I hear you, Nick. Okay. Uh, the, the question is, really, after 13 games, we could all see the defense wasn't what we thought it was going to be this mm -hmm. year. So my question to you is, what's the likelihood, from your perspective, that Yarmo, through free agency or through trading, tries to pick up 
two veteran defensemen to add to the core because clearly the group of guys we have now are probably either not NHL ready or B, um, you know, they're still in the minors and they still need more uh, time to season, so to speak. Um, But, but last night, I mean, that was, that was just atrocious play by everybody. And, at one point, I was worried about Peak and his life laying there in front of the net with six guys standing right, around the right. net shooting, the, swinging their sticks. Yeah. No. Well. Yeah. You know what? You looking at last night for sure. I mean, that's just. You know, we've we've been kind of maybe writing this too much, but it's so obvious, and it it just that that defense is just not what they had in mind. I mean, that's. You've taken Morensky and Gavrikov out of it, right? I think Bokvist is back now. You've taken Good Branson out of it. You've taken Blankenberg out of it. I mean, my God, it, it is. It is. You mentioned that it, it was. It's worse than we expected it to be. I think a lot of people were pretty uneasy about how good it could be, anyways, and it w- just wasn't good. The forwards were awful defensively too in the early part of the season. But to answer your question, I don't I don't think it's going to be two two free agent defensemen, but here's what I think is reasonable. I think there's I think one free agent defenseman for sure could be added. And I think you may have watched him play last night. I think Ryan Graves with the Devils would be a perfect fit in that Gavrikov spot on the left side of the second line. Penalty killer, a pretty physical player with decent, not impressive, but decent offensive ability. And I think the, uh, there could be a change on defense as well, but I, I would suspect that's not free agent. That would be a trade. And they've got an, an abundance of forwards. It's kind of a tricky spot because they're kind of like this on, on the back end too, where none of those extra forwards really by themselves move the needle on trades. But if there's a, if there's a team that is intrigued by a two-for-one or thinks – you can put together a decent package to land a player. I think they have an interest in bringing in a second player too. Now you're going to add you're a check. I mean, they're convinced he's going to play in the NHL next season. That's great. I'll take their word for it. I'm not sure. I want to bank on a 19 year old playing on the right side of Wierenski on the top pair, at least at the start of the season. Um, but they may be in that spot. Maybe Bokvist goes in there. He's been actually pretty good this year and is still a very young player. Some of these guys, I put Bokvist, Bean, Blankenberg in that in that spot. I think you kind of have to wait it out with these guys and see what becomes of them. And I think Bokvist has really taken steps forward this year. But I think there could be some multiplayer trades for a player that brings in a a, a player to on, on defense as well. But free agent wise, I think there would just be one. Um, I think that that's how that makes the most sense and keep your eye on Ryan Graves. Thanks party. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Uh, let's try Philip and Philip, you are on front. And Hi, nationwide. please go ahead. Can you hear me? I got you loud and clear, man. All right. Um, so I was listening to the athletic hockey show recently Mm -hmm. and they had an interview with bruce cassidy and they were talking about how the golden knights 
even though they had all the injuries to their goaltenders, were still able to um, have those goaltenders perform well. And he credited a large part of it to the fact that they feel like they play consistently in front of their goaltender, no matter what goaltender is playing. Mm -hmm. I was just wondering, I, I understand that to a degree there is a deficit of talent on the defense, but to what degree do you think that the issues with defense is being caused by the fact that there really isn't consistency with personnel there versus a deficiency in like defensive talent? Do you think that maybe if it was a situation where the defensemen were healthier and playing in front of the goaltender more consistently um, because it was uh, the same group of people? there would be a bit more of a better outcome for our goaltenders? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I hate to state the obvious, but I think if if you have a team that has a healthy Wierenski, you have to puck more. If you have a team that has Gavrikov on the second pair, you've got a shutdown defenseman on that second pair. The right side of their defense was a huge question mark coming into the season. It most likely wasn't good enough but you can't i you know it, yeah they're they're not good enough and it's not because entirely because the talent just isn't there it's because the talent largely has been hurt and then also was traded this year um jake bean who knows what jake bean would have been this year and i i know you, if you base it on what he was last year that's not certainly a norris trophy candidate that's not somebody you get too overly excited about but he's at an age where players begin to really become what they're going to become as NHL defensemen. He's a talented player. And that season was wiped out. The bigger story, of course, is Wierenski. Um, and that just really changes everything that they do back there. Now, they weren't a good defensive team, period, when Bean was healthy and Wierenski was healthy. They were a disaster defensively. I actually think they were worse defensively at the start of the season than they have been since then with the injuries. The thing that the injuries do is it, it prevents you from being able to crawl out of that awful start. But yes, I'll, I'll say, and I don't think it's speaking out of turn, this would be a better defensive team if they'd remain healthy. If Bokefist didn't miss two months, if Bean weren't lost for the season, Wierenski lost for the season. Um, yeah, they would for sure have been better. Maybe this gives them clarity, and maybe next year is a better year because you've learned what do you have in Bjork? I think you know that more now than you did before. What do you have in some of these other guys who have played a lot of games at the NHL level? It's been beneficial in that respect, but it certainly hasn't been beneficial in the short term when it comes to winning hockey games. Yes, there's the players absolutely, absolutely matter. At this level, Philip, thanks for the question. Um, let's go now to we're going to get to the text questions here shortly. Let's go to Ryan L. Ryan, you are on the Front Nationwide podcast. Go ahead. Hey, can you hear me now? Gotcha. Awesome. Uh, happy Friday to you, Forty. And yeah, thanks, uh, my my main question is actually about Brad Larson. I'm not on the train of, of let's fire Larson. I, I don't think that's 
something that I would be discussing right now with all the injuries. But my question for you is just his style of coaching. Is he necessarily the type of coach that we need for these young players? I'm kind of thinking, is he still a part of that uh, tort system that's mainly defensive, the stand back and and, and let the play come to you type of uh, team? But we have all this skill coming in. And is he the coach that we actually need to get the best out of these skilled players? I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because Brad Larson was not a skilled player. This isn't me speaking out of turn, too. You may take exception to this, but he was very much a third and fourth line guy in Colorado, and a, a, a proud player to be that and a damn good one. Right. Um, but I I mean, it, for me, and I agree with what you say, it, I, I look at it this way. I won't be surprised if they made a change, and I think they could justify it based upon what this roster is going to look like and what they need from a coach. Uh, but it would be unfair, uh, I think, to have a season like this where you're just not anywhere near the team that you thought you were going to be able to put on the ice mm-hmm. and still decide that this coach needs to pay the price for this. Having said that, it's pro sports and and guys in the NHL get fired unfairly all the time. Um, so I, I don't think it's totally out of the question. But I also think you need to look at it and say, you know what, Kirill Marchenko scored 21 goals in, as a rookie franchise record. Now, that happened under Brad Larson. Uh, Ken Johnson has played, I think, as well as most could have expected given his size and the way that this season has gone. I think he's the third Rookie to score 40 points. That happened under Brad Larson. And I think you've seen some other guys. Liam Foody looks like, again, looks like, I mean, I'm not ready to say he's an absolute bona fide NHLer, but he started to look like a guy who belongs in the league a little bit where that, that has not been the case so far. Um, so I, I think, you know, I, I don't think it's, um, I don't think you can look at this team and say, that the young players can't thrive under Brad Larson. That doesn't seem, I know you're not suggesting that, but I I don't think that's a fair read for people to make because there's some evidence to the contrary. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, if you land a Fantilli, you land a Bedard, you land a Carlson, and you're going to be bringing Juracek in. This is going to be, this is a pretty highly skilled team now with Gaudreau, Line, Johnson, um, whoever that first round pick is this year, it's all going into the mix. Marchenko's a shooter. Um, I think you need to look at the team you've got and the team you're going to have and say, is that the guy that we need to coach? Now, two years ago, post Tortorella, when they knew they were going to be super young and they knew it was going to be a teaching job, they felt that Brad Larson was the right choice. Are they still in that mode now? I think that's the question that they have to confront. And I, I don't know that there's a right or a wrong answer to that. They know where this thing's going as much as anybody does. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And um, I'm glad that you brought up Foodie because that brings me to my next question for you. Um, yeah. As a penalty killer, he's, he's looked pretty good. Um, yep. But I don't think we have enough room on this team to keep both him and kind of that fourth line together. Uh, so I was curious where you think we stand with that. If we keep the cheaper foodie because he's you know progressing well, or if uh, we kind of have to keep Robinson because he's you know he's just been a rock on that line for so long. 
Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I'm really interested to see what the makeup of this team looks like, especially if Texier comes back, which they say he's going to. Right. I mean, that is because that's a guy who probably fits into a similar spot as Foodie. Um, I think you could play Foodie or Texier higher in the lineup than you would a Robinson. And speaking of, speaking to Yarmo, just I'm not sure if it was yesterday or the day before, um, about Foodie and writing this for this the uh, Sunday gathering. Um, he thinks he's a top nine NHL forward. He's shown that potential if he can bring it every night like he did in Toronto, like he has some other nights. He thinks that him getting that first goal, <laughs> and neither one of us <laughs> can remember exactly how many games it was, but once he scored that, the weight of the world came off his shoulders. He's carrying the puck now and making plays now, which is not something we've seen him do in the NHL. Guys, people who watched him play in Cleveland, the dog says hello. People who watched him play in Cleveland saw this from him last year uh, before he got hurt. And they were starting to get really excited about it. This is the first time you've seen in the NHL. Let's be honest, he's still in the NHL, stayed here all year because he needed waivers to go down. He would have for sure gone to Cleveland if he didn't need waivers. Um, so, but I think I think Foodie probably elevates a line ahead of Robinson. Um, but I think I with those two right there, you've got the the start of a, of two really good penalty kill units: Karali centering one, and maybe Voronkov, another guy who's coming over, uh, centering the other. Awesome. Don't forget Thanks, thanks Bordy. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, no problem. No problem. All right, let's go to the uh, to the text screen if we if we can. I'll go. Through these, this is from a, a dude whose name is not on here, so forgive me. I can't say who it is. I know he isn't a blue jacket anymore, but did Corpy ever fulfill his finished military requirements? I just saw Lori Markinen mention his commitment this summer. My understanding is that Corpy is going to do it this summer. And I also have a, a promise from Corpusalo that I will get a picture of him belly crawling with a semi automatic through a field in Finland. And I want that picture. Anyways, that is my understanding that he's going to do it this summer. You'll recall he didn't do it last because of the hip surgery. But yeah, I've not obviously, I've not talked to him since he was traded to the Kings other than an exchange of text messages when it went down. Um, but my recollection is that he was planning to do it this summer. The Kings are going to make the playoffs. So it gets delayed a little bit. Uh, this question from Austin H., uh, he's got two questions. Some say Fantilli will stay at Michigan another year. Do you know if he has said anything about going pro next year or staying in college? Also, do you think Yarmo would consider trading the fourth overall pick instead of grabbing Michkov? Um, so to the first one, don't know about Fantilli. My understanding is that he's going pro. Um, but Michigan lost last night in the national semifinal. I don't know if this changes things. My sense is that the hockey guys aren't making a killing in NIL quite like the other athletes in college are. Um, and my sense is that Fantilli feels he has pro ability today. So that would seem unlikely to me, but that's not an informed um, comment from somebody who has spoken to Fantilli or his camp. Um, would Yarmo consider trading the fourth overall pick instead of grabbing each cup? I just can't imagine that being the case. I mean, trading it maybe to, to slide down if he gets a great offer. Um, 
But I think there are also players there, and this is a really good draft for centers. Um, Will Smith will be on the board. That's a player that I've heard the Blue Jackets are absolutely uh, impressed with. So you've got Carlson, Fantilli, Bedard. Is obviously, I'm backing them up in order. Bedard, Fantilli, Carlson, and Smith in there. Um, so I, I would find it hard to believe that they would trade out of that pick. Uh, Tim M says, hey, AP, thanks for making it through this season without losing your mind. Don't assume, don't assume things, Tim. Uh, it must be hard. Finding a silver lining, which player this year impressed you most and excites you for the future? Uh, so it, you know what? I, I think there's, a, there's two guys that jump off the page to me. It's Marchenko and Kent Johnson. And I don't know if you remember the story we had. It was about this time last year, maybe a month or so from now. Uh, about Marchenko right after he signed with the Blue Jackets. Maybe it was right before he signed with the Blue Jackets. Um, we arranged a Zoom call with him, and his agent did. It was so smart, and I, I didn't realize what he was doing at first, but he hooked us up on the Zoom call. We started talking, and the agent said something like, I'm a little cold. I'm going to step out to the other room and get a coat, and he just left. And it made it so the Krill felt um, that he he needed to finish the conversations himself in English, which he was just really starting to get up on, and that he that nobody else was overhearing what he was saying, so there was no right or no wrong, just his answer. And I remember um, really being blown away by how engaging he was, how friendly he was. He just has this attitude about him. The guys in Cleveland loved him. You got to understand how it works in AAA sports too, baseball and hockey. A lot of those guys aren't happy to be there. There's a lot of guys who've been in the NHL and are back down again, and a lot of them who know they're probably not going back. A lot of them who have never made it, and it can be a tough spot. It's it's a room with a lot of dynamics, and Kirill Marchenko came in, and, and those guys there absolutely gravitated toward him, and it's been the same thing in Columbus. Uh, they they love his attitude. He and and Patrick Line have become, I don't want to say really tight. I don't want to speak to that. But Line is really in, intrigued by him and has spent a lot of time talking to him and working on things with him. Goudreau uh, has spoken very highly of him. He has come in and, and really, uh, really excited people. And I think you're seeing him get better and better and better. And he still has to fill out physically. Um, and Kent Johnson has been really, really impressive for me, a guy that, you, you know, just looking at him, you, you're fairly certain he's going to get overpowered a lot. And he just keeps coming back and, and making big plays. And just wait till he, he gets some muscle on that frame and wait till he starts to figure even more things out at this level. I, I think you've got an 80, 80 point to 100 point player there with a ton of assists. Um, see, FYI, Laval as in Valerie rather than Vol as in Ball, Aaron S. says. Okay, so I had it wrong. I had the Monsters playing in Laval tonight. They play in Laval. So update your update your schedules accordingly. Um, Johnny H. says, Hi, Porty. Exposing Elvis to waivers by sending to Cleveland, if necessary, next year seems safe with his contract. So what's the downside? If he's not performing, he shouldn't be here. Maybe somebody does us a favor and snags him. Or maybe he rediscovers his game. I see no downside. Side note, how unsafe is Manny Legacy's job? So we kind of already went over Legacy's 
my thoughts on legacy. Uh, as for Elvis and waivers, I think that is something you consider next season if if things aren't turned around. Yes. And if he's claimed, he's claimed. If he's not, then he stays in Cleveland and and figures stuff out or doesn't. Um, but yeah, I don't think you. I don't think this year was the year to do that. But I think next year absolutely could be. Um, Trey says, did the team ever consider sending Elvis to Cleveland, similar to Cal Peterson in LA earlier this year, exposing him to waivers? Um, kind of a similar question. Don't know. Not sure. Um, I, I have not gotten that sense. That would be a very bold move. And honestly, that's a move you take to ownership um, before you make it because you've committed a lot to this player. Um, Ryan C says, do you think they might circle back on Gavrikov or Nyquist this offseason? Uh, Gavrikov, possible. I think what would have to happen there is if Gavrikov hits the market and finds that the contract offer he's hoping for is not there. Um, I don't think the, the Blue Jackets um, are thinking that that is likely just because of how far apart they were in terms of term at the trade deadline. Um, but they need a player similar to Gavrikov, a penalty killer, second pair, left side guy. He fits the description. If the market is soft on him for whatever reason, then I don't think it's completely out of the question. My thing with Nyquist is they really, really like the player. They admire the player. And he really liked it here. Just look at the at the names. And it looks like there's way too many wingers and forwards here next year. If you anticipate players that are, you know, you're adding most, let's see how the draft goes, but you're, you may be adding a player there. You're adding Voronkov. And you're bringing, bringing Texier back from Europe. There's three more guys. And you're going to get healthy. You would certainly hope so. Um, Chinikov signed a one-way contract. Okay? There's another spot. Foodie looks like an NHL player. So you've got some names that are bona fide NHL roster players that were not a consideration last year. I think it's too crowded. I don't think they spend their money on a free agent such as Nyquist. I think if they're going to spend that money, it's going to be on defense. And if they acquire players by, via trade, my sense is it would be on defense as well. Um, Philip N. says, do you think any of the Philip, or sorry, any of the Philip, any of the Cleveland defensemen have earned a serious shot at making the roster for next season? It feels like there's a lot of competition for the third pairing next season. Yeah, there's a ton of competition. They're going to bring a guy in, free agent or a trade, maybe a free agent and a trade. So you've got Wierenski, you've got Juracek, you've got whoever that is, the free agent slash trade guy, left side of the second pair. You've got Boakvist, you've got Healthy Bean, you've got Peak, you've got Good Branson, you've got um, Blankenberg. So where does that leave you with Bernie? Where does that leave you with Bayreuther? My sense is those are AHL guys. Um, they'd have to clear waivers in some cases, so maybe they move on there. Um, yeah, so I, I think you're looking at a, a rather intense battle for the number seven spot. Uh, Joe P says, I heard another podcaster recently state that Marchenko is, quote, making line A redundant. I really didn't understand that. Is there a negative to having two big wingers who can shoot? Seems like a luxury a lot of teams would like to have, but I just started watching hockey last year, so maybe I'm being naive. No, Joe, you're not naive. Why can't you have two major 
um, high-powered, hot-shooting wingers. I have no problem with that. I also think they're different kinds of shooters. Line is the howitzer. Marchenko is the sniper. Um, yeah, I got I got no problem with that. I don't know if I want them on the same line. I guess it depends on who the centerman is. But, I mean, I think ahead to a power play, a dream a little dream here, Warensky, Bedard, <clears throat> um, Line A, Gaudreau, Marchenko. Let's go. Um, Chad T says, do you think the idea of Line A wanting to move to center has to do about him making more money on a future contract or Columbus preparing for the idea of possibly having to draft Michkov? Or maybe the Jackets having the option to move to picker of a great trade opportunity arises. I think it's a, honestly, I hate to say this, and I, I, I would say it to Patrick. I don't want to speak ill behind his back. I think it's a late season, we're all bored as hell, dalliance. I don't think he's a long-term centerman. I just don't. I'm sorry. Um, I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm not saying he shouldn't do it. I, it was a great story. It was fun as hell. It gave us something to talk about for five days. I just think you're looking at a team. Cylinder's coming back. Voronkov's coming in. They may draft a center. I just don't see. And, and I mean, Lonnie is a, is a winger. And I, I think that should be enough. Um, thoughts on Chinny's contract seems somewhat low and short. Well, I can tell you why. Um, as for the low, the Blue Jackets gave him less than his qualifying offer because he wanted a one-way contract. So he was willing to take less money than his qualifying offer uh, if it assured that he was getting an NHL contract. They think he's an NHL player, so what's the big deal? Low. Uh, the short part of this is Jinnikov is a restricted free agent this summer, but he was one of those 10.2C restricted free agents. And it, I don't want to get into the too into the CBA here, but it's a player who doesn't have enough games to qualify for an offer sheet. Um, he doesn't have arbitration rights, so he really had no leverage whatsoever. He was not an unrestricted free agent. He couldn't go wherever he wanted. He basically was at the mercy of the Blue Jackets. So it was, do you want your qualifying offer? Or, and he said, I'll take more than my qualifying, less than my qualifying offer if I get a one-way. Okay, one way. Boom. Now he wants a short term because next year he'll have enough games to qualify as an RFA, a full fledged RFA. And in that case, he still doesn't have the freedom to go wherever he wants, but he has a lot more leverage than he does as as a player who's in the position he was in. Um, Aaron S says, Don't forget about Danforth being added into next year's mix. Didn't forget about him. He was injured very early. They say it was a, a much bigger loss than most people realize. That's another guy who probably figures into the third or fourth line, could be a centerman as well. Um, John Kay says, more of a comment than a question. How impressive is it to see the home attendance for a last-place team? I'm pretty excited for next season. Yeah, it's been great. It's been really great. And you're starting to see other markets with playoff teams. New Jersey looked like a decent crowd last night. That was That's starting to come around there. But it, it's amazing and impressive that in Columbus, even in a season like this that hasn't really gone away. Um, now, let's just be honest about it. The Blue Jackets sold a ton of tickets last summer because of Johnny Gaudreau. And they could sell a, a, a crap load more this summer if the, if the lottery goes the way that they want it to go. Um, and those tickets are expensive, and you're not going to just blow off those games, most likely, if you spent the money on them. 
So those people are coming to games, but the crowds have been fantastic. Even they're not just sitting there either. They've been, it's been really great. And I have to say, I've, I've mentioned this to a few people. It's been fascinating to me that Twitter is all about the, the lottery, all about tanking. And every goal gets a, gets a wave of angry of, and I get it. I get it. I'm not speaking ill of those people of the grumpiness of what the hell are these guys doing? But when you're in that building, those people want wins and they are trying to lift that team uh, to the highest it can possibly be. And it's been, so it's been really interesting. You look at your screen and, you know, and you're in the building watching the game and the building's cheering for Boone Jenner and Kirill Marchenko. And then you look at, at Twitter and Twitter's like, what the hell are these guys doing? You, you idiots. Um, it's just a totally different it, it, scene in both different settings. Um, but yes, the crowds have been fantastic. And I mean, we've said this for years. It's pretty incredible that this team has the fan base it has. When you, when you realize that, yes, 2019 was great. They beat the, the Lightning, one of the great upsets in NHL playoff history. Absolutely. But they, but this team has not taken this city yet on a playoff run. Like they made it to the second round once, and they got beat by Boston. They've not had that month long, six week long, just crazy run to the conference final. Minnesota's had it. Nashville had it. Um, that's really what it takes in most places to build a fan base up, and Columbus has built one here despite all that. Um, and I think there are people around the league who rightly recognize the situation and have witnessed the crowds and said, you know what, damn it, those people deserve something good to happen to them. And they're talking about the, the lottery on May 8th. Um, so fingers crossed, maybe that's where it goes. Um, so, yeah. And uh, I think we're good to go. Folks, listen, thanks for, for tuning in this week. Appreciate it. Good uh, conversation. We'll be back at it again next week. Last week of the regular season next week. Not the last week for Front and Nationwide, though. We will keep going. Uh, thanks for tuning in, as always. And uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Take care.